What's good, man? What's going on, man? Early morning here. Got you up. Got you up and running <laughs> after a late night. <laughs> after a late night in Brooklyn, shout out to Andrew Young Cornbread and Cornbread Media for inviting me out for a, a great interview. It'll be announced soon. It was a, it was a great night, man. Just getting out of the house and now out I mean, to Brooklyn. You, now you went to his. You went to his like his apartment. His podcast studio. He's he he goes to the Brooklyn podcast studio. So he he that's where he usually does his podcasts out of. So he invited me there. We did an interview. It was really a, just a nice celebration and just things that he did for me. Shout out to Andrew. Thank you to him for all that he he continues to do and has done for for me throughout my time in in media and in radio. And shout out to him. It's going to be great when it comes out. We'll, we'll send out the promotion soon when he's ready to give me the green light to do so and. We'll go from there. But I was in Brooklyn last night in the Brooklyn podcast studios right next to the Barclays Center. And I saw all the toxic net fans dancing in the street with their Katie and Kyrie Irving jerseys before the game. <laughs> However, I didn't check the score of the game until I got back to Connecticut. And that was around, I would say, 11 p.m. So I had no idea that the Nets actually lost game three. Yep, so I want your and... take on this, man. I want your take on this. Being a true net fan, you're from Jersey. You're not a toxic net fan. You're a true net fan. What is your take on this series so far? Do you think they can come back, even though it's never been done before in a 3-0 zip series? What's your thoughts on this team right now, man? I just think it's over. It's done. The, the drama that this season has been the absolute disaster that it's turned into. It's, it's about to end. I don't know if they'll get swept in four games. It'll probably be a, a um, quote unquote gentleman sweep, but no team in, in NBA history has come back down three Oh. So then I don't think that this team has the heart or the capability of doing that against the Celtic team who really has turned the corner since Christmas, man, they are one of the most complete, well-rounded franchises playing right now. And <clears throat> they have an edge to them that the Nets can't counter. No. So it's really just, it's a shame. It's a shame, you know? I mean, you could say that last year was probably the best time to win it, and injuries really played a big role in that. But goddamn, man, like, <laughs> this is – I just don't know where where, where you go from here. Because... I think you fire Nash and then hope for the best next year, maybe bring in a couple other guys that you think they could really fill out this lineup and and just hope that you can get past the, the hurdle that you guys just can't seem to get past. I mean, last year I think it was your best chance – even without playing without Kyrie last year, there was a better chance. Now you have Kyrie and you can't even make it past the first round. And that's insane to me. Just think about it. LeBron cruised against the Celtics when he was on the Cavs. Cruised. And now the Nets have all these superstars. They can't even get past them. Well, let's get one thing straight. The Nets have two stars. And what? Patty Mills? <laughs> That's what, dude, dude, like that's what the Nets are. We, you, you can't say anymore that it's that that it's that a super it's a team. team of stars. You, you can't say that anymore. I think you're right. You really can't <laughs> say that. You, <laughs> because, you can't because if they were, they'd be winning games. They'd be sweeping the Celtics in the series. I mean, look at the bench. 
Lamarcus Aldridge, Blake Griffin. Look at these guys. These were who's prime who's... all stars a few years ago. Guys, guys that don't even play. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you think Aldridge plays? You think Steve Nash goes to Blake Griffin and tells him to get in the game? I mean, he played yesterday, but big games down the stretch, Blake didn't see any court time. Sean Marks gave James Johnson a contract this offseason. Steve Nash trusted James Johnson in big-time situations, and he was a bust. He got cut a week before the postseason. Like, people go nuts about Sean Marks. Listen, Sean Marks revamped this franchise. He brought it up from from literally, like, just, 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 just basketball death. But now that he has the stars here, he can't build a championship roster. He just can't. And the fact of the matter is that you can get all these scorers on this team, guys that could average 15 to 20 points a game. But you need to have defenders. You need to build a team like the Boston freaking Celtics or a team like the Milwaukee Bucks, or a team like the Phoenix Suns, or, or the, the Miami State Heat. Warriors, or the Miami Heat. Teams that have leaders that hold their whole team accountable and themselves when they're at fault, actually have head coaches that know what they're doing, and have defenders who could play good defense in crunch time. The last two minutes, man, it's the biggest thing. Up by five points with a minute 50 left to go. Making a big stop. Getting a big block. And the Nets don't have that. They just don't. They do not. No, no. And, and you know, I, I saw the highlights and it, it, it's bunch just of insane to me. <laughs> I get it's your a bunch frustration. bunch of bullshit. Oh, no, I get your frustration, man, because like when you think about it and just look at this team and when you have a combination of Katie and Kyrie, and actually now that Kyrie's playing, it's unbelievable. How are they, it's just it's unbelievable how I'm you guys you, can't pull out these games. And Brooklyn's lucky that and Brooklyn's lucky that freaking KD re-upped. Yeah, they're lucky that that Kyrie wants to stay because could you imagine if KD was going into like a, a, a walk year, he'd be gone. Yeah, he'd probably be joining the Miami Heat, <laughs> or Miami, maybe he'd go Miami back Heat. to gold. He'll, he'll go back to Golden State. I think I yeah I think I think he'd go back to Golden State, but <laughs> I'll be going to Miami. But imagine if KD and Kyrie were in their walk years, because this is what it would have been. They both would have been gone. Although I think Kyrie maybe would have just stayed because he because this is home to him. I I don't think he would really find happiness anywhere else but here. But okay, KD walks, Kyrie stays, then then what's your franchise? You have no draft picks. No. You have no really any, you, you have no substantial draft capital to make a trade. I mean, I, I don't know who you could sign and trade off this offseason that could bring in any significant talent. I guess you're going to have to open up the wallet and go and get some free agents. But that's, again, if, if, if KD didn't re-up. 
but KD did, which is huge because we still have the KD and Kyrie foundation. And now Ben Simmons is in the fold and hopefully, hopefully he can be instituted into the system next year and not be a bitch because now it's got to, this dude, this, this, this feels like every team in this town where it's like, oh, next year. Oh, this guy will come back. Oh, we got to worry about next year. It, there's never a next year. It, it never there's pans never out now. that way. Yeah, there's no, never a now either. It's, yeah, you're, it, it's never that it's, it's, forget about next year. It's never worrying about now. Nobody ever plays for now in this town. Never freaking does. No. You always hear about, oh, next year they'll be better. Just like when the Knicks got knocked out last year in the in the first round. They were like, oh, next year this team is going to be. Really? Because we ended up 11th in the conference. We went from 4th to 11th. Yeah. And I want your take on Ben Simmons potentially playing in game four. I don't even know if he even, if he even should play. I mean, like, what's the point? What's really the point of all this? I don't get it. I think that James Harden was bound to get traded. I think that the James Harden thing just wasn't going to work. And people saying that that they should have kept him. That man was not happy. He just wasn't. And Net fans hated him too. (laughs) (sighs) They did. They really hated him. And I don't know where you go from here because I, I guess you go and find the best free agent defenders in, in this offseason. You need some P.J. Tuckers. You find, like, the best wing defenders. And I, I, I think that's all you do because Patty Mills, I think, has a player option, but I don't see why, why he leave. Drummond's gone. Bruce Brown's gone. Um, Aldridge is gone. Goran Dragic is gone. You got, they got all these guys on one-year contracts that really just have one dimension to their game. Like they, they don't play defense. They do not play defense. I'll tell you what, you know, we, we talk about the Knicks. I bet you you would take the Knicks over, over what the Nets have right now. You would take the Knicks' 2013 roster right now. <laughs> Actually, I wouldn't. Really? I wouldn't, no, because because Kevin Durant is better than anybody on that team. He's better than Melo at that time, hands down. Oh, the scoring oh, title, my, Melo. Scoring time, but I mean, but but Durant's Durant's a was he a Durant's a former MVP? <laughs> I mean, it's that was when he was an actual player and not a cupcake. That was when he was an actual player when he actually played for the Thunder and actually had his own game. He established his own legacy. Then he lit he lit it up on fire when he went to Golden State. He burned yeah. it. <laughs> This is really a bad time, really. Uh, I mean, and I, I don't know if they even 
fire Steve Nash, man, because that's not that's not even like <laughs> is that even like a guarantee at this point? Because he's clearly getting out coached right now. He's he gets out coached every almost every single game. And can this please be a lesson to other teams about hiring inexperienced coaches? Can this really be a lesson? No, because can, you know why? Can we please and can we please start putting a leash on these players? Because and, and Kyrie, because Kyrie and KD hired this man. Can we put a leash on these players? It's never going to oh, happen. Look at Fisdale. This was a players coach guy. What has he done for the NBA? I mean, nothing. nothing. Look, look at what he did with the Lakers. I mean, give me a break. Nothing. This was a guy that was brought in the Knicks to bring superstars in. He was he's given a good credit. assistant. Yeah, he's, he's a, good a good assistant. assistant. And he and you know what's, what's crazy he... about the Eric Spolster thing in Miami? LeBron gave Fisdale all the credit in that. Give me a break. Because mm. Eric Spolstra, he's probably the best coach in the NBA that no one even talks about or even brings Dude. up. Eric Spolstra spent years being an assistant head coach until he finally got his shot. You know, like the best coaches start off somewhere, college, just being an assistant in the NBA. Like they know how to lead a team. Got Steve Nash calling timeouts and giving high fives and smacking, smacking his, his his players' asses as they get back <laughs> to the bench. That's not coaching. You think freaking Phil Jackson would do that? Well, maybe in his days with the Knicks, he would. Yeah, but he wasn't the coach. No, he was the freaking president. I just don't get why these teams do that. They take that risk with such great talent. And they just allow these players to make decisions like that. See, at least like I understand that 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 Laker fans couldn't stand Frank Vogel. Frank Vogel's a coach. You could question his his decisions on, on how he's handled the team this year. But damn, dude, he coached. He has experience. He has experience. Tyron Lou in Cleveland, that man had experience. And he became a champion, and now he's coaching up the Clippers, and he's he's one of the most underrated co- head coaches in the NBA. Now, I look at a guy like Jason Kidd, who came right from playing in the NBA with, with the Knicks to coaching the Brooklyn Nets, and it was a complete disaster. You call him the snake. No, we, okay, he, okay, hold on a minute. But, would but would you take Jason Kidd right now over Steve Nash? I would. 110%. And I'm going to tell you why, because Jason Kidd wasn't Jason Kidd wasn't bad because of his coaching decisions, really. I mean, he had mistakes his rookie year, obviously, but he grew. It was because the man wanted to stage a coup on the freaking organization and wanted to make like actual like front office decisions, like like actually like controlling the roster construction. Can't do that. That was his fault, not his coaching. You see his coaching right now in Dallas? Come on, dude. I mean, I, I know that he has Luka Don, and I, I know that he has Luka, and he has, he has, he has Dinwiddie. Is, is, he has a pretty good roster. But he really 
but, but he's grown. He's grown from a guy who was not an assistant coach. Although, although I'm capable, he was a head coach before he became an assistant. He was an assistant with the, um, the Lakers. That's right. He coached the Nets, then he coached the Bucks, and now I think he became an assistant with the uh, Lakers. Then he became the head coach of Dallas. Remember when he was trying to trade for Larry Sanders? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. When he was on the Nets? <laughs> yeah. Different dude, diff, different ball game with Steve Nash. Steve Nash just doesn't have the feel of, of a head coach. Or how about when he threw water on? Remember when he spilled water all over the court? <laughs> oh yeah, we could say that, that was his rookie year. Like he, like I, I think he bumped into like into like Joe Johnson or Brooke Lopez. It was one of them, and like his water cup went all over the damn place. I think he spilled it on <laughs> spilled it on his suit too. Oh boy, but dude, at oh. least he grew with his job. He grew with his job, and, and that's a Hall of Famer. Just, just like Agreed. Steve Nash, you know. So it, it's all about different people, but it's about how you grow within the game. Maybe Steve Nash goes off, and after he's gone from from his job, and he becomes an assistant coach, just like Jason Kidd, and he learns from somebody. He grows to become an actual leader of men. And then he gets another head coaching gig. But these players, man, and these power grabs got to stop at some point. Like, but you're the, the, the players are, are never going to have their power taken. But I believe it could be kept in check. Because you can't have these guys picking your Picking coaches, no. picking coaches. The Nets, the, the guy that's coaching the Celtics was a Nets assistant last year. And he is mopping the floor with, with Nash. The guy, the guy he worked for, <laughs> the guy he worked for. <laughs> Just uh, real sad state of affairs. For Brooklyn, then it's 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 over. It's pretty much done with. Maybe they can uh, rally back. Maybe be the first in history to come back from a three and zero deficit. Maybe. <laughs> well, in, in order to do that, KD's KD's got to get going. He's had a, he's had an awful series. Awful. I think KD's packed it in. Yeah, you see these analysts on here saying that the players he, quit for the Nets. Yeah, I, I really yeah I I think he I think he packed it in. I think he knew that this season was pretty much done with, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm done." Cupcake, cupcake. Yeah, <laughs> he was a real player. He'd be playing his heart out no matter what. <laughs> Quitting on his team. We got one more game here. You got to, you got to save your ass. Nets got to save their asses in this game, but. I'll tell you what, heads will roll. If you lose this game, there's going to be some heads rolling somewhere. Oh, yeah. Hopefully it's Steve Nash. <laughs> oh, man. Is that all for the Nets talk? Do you want to get into baseball or football? I think we should save the football segment for uh, the closeout and a little lengthy statement because I know there's some trade rumors with D- Debo Samuel. Do you want to 
get a quick baseball segment in, or would you rather just go right to football? Um, I'm just sending something here. It's all good. Um, we could do like baseball. How are you feeling about those Yankees racking up the wins against the Guardians right now? Nice wins. Any wins, I think early in the season, you're um, the 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 most important thing is just to just pile up wins, pile up wins because April is April is April is a tough month because you get a lot of players that are coming off the uh, spring training rust and they're trying to find their grooves and it's always good to get off the good starts. I want to talk about that thing that took place in the game yesterday. I don't know if you saw what happened at, at the end of the game. What happened? I, I was in yes. Brooklyn, so I probably didn't see it. No. Um, uh, so um, it was a, the, the, the um, bottom of the ninth. The, the Guardians were up, were up four to three. So they're up by a run. Um, <clears throat> the Yankees get a man on. And Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, the um, shortstop, hit a booming double off the left field wall, which ended up tying the game. But the Guardians left fielder ran to go try to catch the ball, and he, like, slammed into the wall. Obviously, he didn't catch it. And he was hurt. I think he – I don't know if he was concussed or something like that, but he was, like, shaken up. And I guess some fans in the right field seats were like, were, were like, were like heckling the guy or I don't know if it was like the left field seats or the right field seats. They were like heckling the guy because he, because he uh, missed the ball. And the Guardians right fielder, Miles My- Straw, well, I don't know if he was playing right or center, whatever it was. He was an outfielder, he was an outfielder, he was out there. And he got ticked off and he climbed the right field wall at Yankee stadium and was getting in like face to face with these fans. Like, like never seen that. Like a guy climbing the wall to go with, to go and like just argue with fans. And he got in the guy's faces. And so it was just verbal back and forth, like just yelling. And then, of course, the umpires got to run out there and just try to calm the guy down. He hops off the wall and, you know, things were um, things were calm for about like five minutes. <laughs> because then, of course, the Yankees win. You know, Glaber Torres hit the uh, hit the um, or hit the walk off double. Everybody's happy. But then the same fans in right field that just got a freaking verbal just got into a verbal exchange with miles straw start throwing beer bottles and all and beer cans and stuff onto the field at the outfielders and one of the guardians outfielders um mercado i think his name mm-hmm. is oscar Mac- oscar mercado Mer- mercado i think his name is he got really ticked off and he was cursing at the uh at the at, at the fans and the fans were going like this, calling loser, blah blah blah, like just heckling. And they're and they're throwing stuff onto the field. Go check out the footage. I'll and then, check and this then, out. And then the Yankee and and then and then the Yankee player. You, you see Judge, you see Stanton, you see Torres run out to the outfield to tell the fans stop throwing shit. Like it was bad. It was a really bad display. 
and it completely overshadowed a pretty a pretty important win, dude. Like like n- people just weren't talking about the victory. No, they're talking obviously always about the controversy when any any sort of thing that's crazy that's happening. They're always going to talk about that instead of the win. It's just like. What's up with the fans today? It's not just in baseball. It's in basketball, basketball too. How do you feel about Kyrie and going at Celtics fans? That's crazy. It's it's back and forth, dude. It's a friggin' war between fans and athletes. It's a war. And I really think that, <laughs> dude, this era of social media and smartphone cameras are really exposing the ugliness of this world. It's, I mean, like, you want to go to a um, extreme case, think about George Floyd, you know, it's yeah. a, a thing like that would never have been given the attention it no. did if it if if it wasn't filmed you're right but now that we're filming everything dude now that we're seeing firsthand what in this situation fans going after athletes and athletes going after fans now that we're seeing it we're really bringing attention to it and it's not good it's not good at all i remember last year's nba playoffs i somebody filmed of a Boston Celtic fan pelting Kyrie in the back of the head with, with a water uh, with bottle, a with a water bottle, like, um, or LeBron throwing out two fans sitting courtside for wasn't even heckling the guy. Like they were just like sitting there, like just I guess they said something, but LeBron got security to get him thrown out. <laughs> it's really or like. Or the video that, that I sent you of, of the fans heckling KD and KD like went back at him. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, nah, I'm just saying like NBA, but like Or how about when the Nick fan spit on Trey Young last year during the playoff series yeah. in the first round? Exactly. In baseball terms, like I think last year, um Ian Kinsler of the um uh, uh San Diego Padres. I think this I don't I don't know if this was last year or if it was 2019. It definitely involved crowds, so it wasn't 2020. He was getting booed bad by the San Diego crowd because he was getting off to a slow start. And fans nowadays are so damn impatient. <laughs> they they really can't stand a freaking two for twenty start. Um so he so one game he, he hits a big home run to give the Padres the lead, I think. And he he steps on home plate and flips off the crowd with two <laughs> hands, like, up in the air. Like... You gotta love that. It's those things, dude. And, like... Like, what in the hell, dude? And it's not like you can just, like, like boost security... Because you've got, in baseball terms, 45,000 people in, in, in the ballpark and oh, so many security guards. They've put on so many regulations and restrictions I- involving alcohol sales. Like, 
they don't sell alcohol past, I think it's the uh, seventh inning. I think it's either past the seventh inning or it's when the game hits two hours, whichever comes first. And I think they cap beer sales for like two cans, two cans per stop. So, so you can't go and buy like five, like, like five cans of beer. You have to only buy like two because they're trying to curb the intoxication levels of these fans. And I don't know if it's really helping much. But I don't think that those fans were drunk. They could have been. Think but about they all the fans. Been, Malice at the they, Palace. Oh, my God. Well, that's what I think sports I, – I think that's what these leagues are trying to avoid. Because even though that, that took place back in, back in 2004, it's, it, it's, it very well could still happen. Very well. It could. But, like, what's your take on that stuff with, like, fans and, like, athletes? Like, like it's getting bad now because oh. it's it's a war. <laughs> oh, it is. But it goes hand in hand. If the fans are going to talk, obviously the players are going to talk. But the worst is when the players do antagonize the fans. Like, when you have Kyrie Irving going – uh, like that, uh, and the Knicks fans, they really are more courteous to the Nets than they should be. When you have Kyrie Irving constantly trolling the Knicks in his press conferences about, oh well, they had a shot to get us, but we rather would have built just always dogging the Knicks out. Then you have KD always just dogging the Knicks out. They deserve like some sort of like backlash from that from Knicks fans. I'm not, I'm not saying don't throw bottles at them and stuff, but they do deserve some noise from the crowd. Absolutely, mm-hmm. but. Like I said, if the if these fans are are saying like some toxic things, then I, I can't get on Kyrie for what he did. So you think that it's mostly athletes that are that are instigating the fans? So it it, it, it goes it it goes both ways. I think so too. It goes both because, ways. Because I'll tell you, Cleveland has no intense history with but with the Yankees, they really don't. I mean, this isn't, this isn't the freaking late nineties anymore. And Miles straw. I don't even, I'm literally just learning this guy's name like this season. Like there's no history. There's no nothing. I think that I just think that it was just a bunch of idiot fans, but Yankee fans have been known to do this before. I remember during the playoffs of three years ago against Houston, they were freaking heckling Zach Granke in the bullpen because Zach Granke suffers from anxiety and, you know, he's, he really struggles with his mental health and Yankee fans were just heckling him like crazy because of that. Now other teams fans go crazy too. I mean, Philly fans. Oh, give me a break. Philly fans are they're some of the worst fans on the planet, not just Philly fans. I'm talking about like Philadelphia Eagle Eagles. Fans. Yeah. Oh my God. Freaking, they, they, they tear the city down, but uh, Red Sox fans, some of the most racist fans on the entire planet. Yeah. How many times, the only times the freaking N word is, is said at Fenway park. That's crazy. Yeah, go look up go look up Adam Jones playing for Baltimore and you'll see what I mean. 
there's idiots in all fan bases. But I agree. I don't think it wasn't right for Miles Straw to climb the right field wall and get and get into the fans' faces. And it wasn't right for the fans to go after a guy who was who was obviously hurt on the field. I just don't get that intensity, dude. It's freaking mid-April. <laughs> I don't get. I mean, like, I guess you you want that intensity. And all, in 182 and all. That's what that's what we all want, you know. Especially Yankee fans. 182 and all. I mean, 162. 162 and all. Ugh. Man, but it's it's really just it's interesting, right? Yeah. It's interesting, but. Let's end this show be, um, with um, I want to pull up a recent mock draft, dude, because because we're because we're because I think we're what five days away. Yep, this coming Thursday. Thursday. Yeah, we may have Monday, one. Tuesday, four days actually. Who am yeah. I kidding? We're four days away. Yeah, and you know what? I'm not looking forward to it. I think the Jets are going to fumble big time. Joe Douglas, he just he can't bring players in here through free agency, big time players. I mean, he did some decent moves this year, but they're not impactful players that match the talent that's within your division. Now, when you hear about the draft, you hear about Kayvon Thibodeau and you, and you're always texting me, Kayvon, Kayvon. <laughs> because I'm you, looking at, you think it's I'm happening. I'm looking at the mock draft. I'm looking, I'm looking at the mock draft from cbssports.com from yesterday. And that number four. <laughs> Is it Kayvon? They've got, the Jets taking Kayvon to the Oh, great. The edge rusher. Great. He goes, don't rule out, don't rule out a tackle here. Joe Douglas loves investing up front, but they still need more juice off the edge. And Thibodeau brings brings requisite size and skill and then some. Ugh. He'd be he'd be and he'd be an instant fan favorite in New York. I think he could too. If this guy is racking up 10 sacks a year and becomes like the next like Friggin' Khalil Mack, what's there? There's that's that's stupendous. It is, but do you think he's going to be the next? Because the last time we drafted a, a defensive lineman, the defensive edge pass rusher was Leonard Williams, and he did nothing for the Jets. Well, Kayvon is six foot four, two hundred and fifty four pounds. What's Khalil's like height and weight? You're searching it up now. Yeah, I just want to see. Khalil is six foot three, two hundred and forty-seven pounds. So Kayvon is is an inch taller and a couple more pounds heavier than um, than 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 Khalil. And and Khalil is a Khalil Mack is a wrecking machine. If, if this guy Thibodeau becomes really the next great pass rusher in football, that's that's literally a massive step to building a a legitimate perennial champion. That's that, that's what you got to do. I remember one of my college professors back at St. John said the key to winning a Super Bowl in football is protecting the quarterback and getting to the quarterback. That's it. If you could do those two things, everything else just sort of figures itself out. Because you think about it, if you can get to the quarterback, then you're then you're short then you're shortening the time that your defense is, is on the field 
if you're protecting your quarterback, then you're extending the time that your offense is on the field. And with any great offensive line, you're going to make your receivers better because your quarterback has more time to throw. Plus, a great offensive line opens up more holes for the um, uh, uh, running game. You could do all sorts of different things when you can protect the quarterback. It all works. Everything falls into place. If this okay. guy Thibodeau really is the real deal, man, I'd I, 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 I go for it. The Jets haven't had a legitimate pass rusher since who? John Abraham. Exactly. And that was what, two, 2006? Yeah. Oh, boy. Earlier than that. And listen, dude, Leonard Williams, I wouldn't say Leonard Williams was awful. He was hard. He was disappointing. He was disappointing. I think there's, I, I think there's been worse than Leonard. Uh, Leonard, I don't know. Leonard was pretty bad, man. I remember I remember watching him thinking that you, you saw the USC highlights and just hearing about he was this freak of nature athlete. And he did nothing when he came here. But then he <laughs> went to the Giants and became a pro bowler. And then he disappeared again. Yeah. <laughs> He's pretty he bad, got- man. I, I don't know. But you know who, who's really bad? When we look at Jonathan Franklin Myers. <laughs> Jonathan, Frank- Jonathan Franklin Myers. He, get, he, oh, get, yeah. he gets the freaking contract and he forgets how to play football. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now I'm looking at the, oh. uh, I'm still looking at the um, uh, CBS Sports uh, mock draft. Who we have picking 10th? It has, well, I'm, I'm just looking at from the Giants. It said, it's, it says that the, uh, that the um, uh, Seahawks are, are going to trade up with the Giants. So, so the Giants are going to trade back from five and go all the way down to nine. So with the seven and nine pick, the Giants would take Evan Neal, the offensive lineman from Alabama, which I think is insane if Neal is, is there at seven. And they would take Derek, Derek Stingley Jr. The corner from LSU. Yeah, at nine, which is good. That'd be a good draft for the Giants. And that number 10, dude. Uh, who are the players that you want to take at, at 10? But before I read it. I mean, we need a receiver. I'd rather trade for Debo. Drake London's coming off a broken ankle. Jameson Williams coming off an ACL tear. So I don't trust them. I guess you go with Garrett Wilson. But you know what, man? I want a mod Gardner at 10. Well, it has the Jets taking Garrett Wilson at, at 10, wide receiver from, from Ohio State. So you would be happy with that. Um, with pass rusher address, Joe Douglas get, gets Zach Wilson much-needed pass-catching help. I mean, you could easily do that tenfold by just trading for Debo, Debo Samuel. Debo Samuel, but oh, you know what? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> much-needed. Guess what? A star receiver is what's much needed. Yeah, I know. How do you feel about these rumors going around that the Jets are... I love this. And you'll love this sentence here. (laughs) A ready-made wide receiver one who can work opposite Corey Davis. Doesn't that that just sound so, like, depleting? It does. Because it's a rookie wide receiver. We have have freaking Garrett Wilson on one side (laughs) and we got Corey Davis on the other. Let's go. <laughs> and you know, and you know, Corey Davis isn't staying on the field again this year. You know, he's going to get injured at some point. And he's going to drop a ton of passes that are thrown right into his hands. 
give me a break, man. I mean, how about these rumors? I was reading yesterday on Twitter uh, while, while going to Brooklyn, just that all the Jets are now willing to trade their 10th pick overall. Where is the aggressiveness when they were ready to trade for Hill? They were on the verge. They were on the verge. Where's the same energy with Debo? Dude, the package was agreed to. Yeah. But Tyree Kill wants to go to Miami. Yep. So Douglas is is ready to play. And what sucks again, like I said, like I said, during that time was they would have saved that, that first round pick. Yeah. Actually, no, I think, I think they would, they no, they would have saved both because the trade that was agreed to did not involve the first round picks. Yeah. It was you like a traded. second rounder, a third rounder and like a third yeah, rounder next like year. It was, a, it, was it was a fleece. It was, it was, it was, it was a good package though. How about but this? You could have, you could have traded for Tyree Hill, and then you would have been able to then drafting Kayvon Thibodeau would have been like much more welcoming, even though I would welcome it right now. Yeah. Well, I and mean, then, I, I still probably wouldn't because I would take Ahmad Gardner and Kyle Hamilton over that. But because I just don't believe in Thibodeau. I really don't. There's no pass rusher in this draft. I mean, Aiden Hutchinson. And how do you believe feel? In. And how do you feel that in this mock draft, the, um, uh, the um, commanders would take Kyle Hamilton right after the Jets at 11? Ugh. I think that would kill you. Yeah, that would. But, but I want him because, I, I like I said, if you go pass rusher and Ahmad Gardner, I'm fine with that. If you go pass rusher and Kyle Hamilton, I'm fine with that because we talked about it last year. Remember the game with the Buccaneers? There was no defense. Brady burned. There was no one getting to the quarterback, and there was no one protecting the, the pass. There was no pass coverage. I agree. We need that. But you got to love this, right? If mm-hmm. the, this is quoted by the great general manager, Doug Douglas, who's only good at getting rid of people when it comes to, you know, getting draft capital and, you know, maybe getting Zach Wilson here if he turns out to be the actual franchise quarterback. If the right opportunity presents itself, we are going to be aggressive. Code for I'm going to continue to sit here and do nothing while the teams in the division get better than us. And you called it his cop out. It's the cop out because <laughs> you really got to start. You you you, you got to put pedals to the metal, man. You just do, and you can't. I don't want to hear another word about people saying that. Like, oh well, the Jets can easily make the make the um can easily nab the friggin' last uh, wild card spot. How? How? In this no conference. Chance. What conference do you what conference do you think the Jets play in? They're not they're not in the NFC. No. I mean it it's the, the conference is too good. It's too damn good. So <laughs> I don't know like Jets I, are I a joke, it. man. We're just a joke team. It's not even realistic. And then when we look at the the, the videos that you sent me on TikTok of Woody Johnson walking around in his office and in the whole Jets headquarters. <laughs> I just want to look. Um, uh, one of the quarterbacks, Kenny Pickett, who's from Pitt. I wonder, I wonder where, where they have him going. Oh, they have him going 31 overall to um, the um, uh, Falcons. Makes a ton of sense. I thought yeah. you, you would think, I thought that the, that the Saints would maybe go after Kenny Pickett. 
they don't even have him drafted. This they 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 don't have the Saints drafting any quarterback in the um, first round. Don't know how smart that is. Insane. But let me find another mock draft, dude. So that's that was CBS Sports. Let's do pro. Let's do profootballnetwork.com. And let's see. This is from. This is from today. This is probably from a, probably from like maybe two hours ago. Wow, they have the Jaguars taking um, Trevon Walker, the edge rusher from Georgia, and then they have Hutchinson going to Detroit at number two. So that's a little flip flop. Oh boy, I don't know if you you may like this. I don't know what what's what's they, this. They have the Jets number four taking Jermaine Johnson oh. the second, the edge rusher from Florida State. This guy is a guy that ranks low on charts. Jet fans do this? love him because I'll look at the comments on, on Jets Twitter and all these Jet fans just tweeting and going on social media. He's not worth the fourth pick overall. Give me a break. Who's making these freaking mock drafts, man? They're all Pro over the place Network. this year. Unbelievable. And, and, and let me read this too. This is from the, the guy who made it. The guy, the guy who made the draft, uh, Ian Cummings of, uh, of, of Pro Football Network. He says, if you ask me, Jermaine Johnson the second is more worthy of the number one overall pick than both Hutchison and Walker. Excuse me? Uh, <laughs> Johnson's pass rush productivity rate isn't as high as Hutchinson's, but Johnson was often asked to read the run before pinning his ears back as a pass rusher at the senior bowl. That responsibility wasn't there. And we saw him dominate with his lightning fast feet, lateral agility, violent hands and power capacity. He has blue chip upside in New York. This dude, these edge rushers, it reminds me of the whole with Kai Becton, Tristan Wirfs, Jendrick Wills, and freaking Andrew Thomas debate a couple of years ago. Yeah, the linemen. Heavy lineman draft. Do you want to take the do you want to take the Mackay Becton? Do you want to take or do you want to take the Tristan Wirfs? It's really that simple. Yeah. Is Jermaine Johnson the Tristan Wirfs, the guy who protected Tom Brady to win and to, to win a Super Bowl? Or Kai Becton, be who, who just disappeared for he gets hurt. <laughs> his second year. Now, now Mackay's first year, now Mackay's first year was great, but he yeah. couldn't stay on the field. Sorry. Nope. And they have the Giants taking Evan Neal at five. I would 100% welcome that. I think that if if the Giants can really shore up that offensive line, I don't see how they could not win the can can win the the NFC East. I can't. No. I mean the Eagles are, are the Eagles are not going to be that good. The Commanders are the Commanders, and the Cowboys lost. They also Mari Cooper, and. Time's ticking over there. Like everybody is one year older. Now I think it all depends on on how on how Jones does. But 
the 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 Giants have the offensive playmakers, and they have and they have the GM and head coach that are going to be working hand in hand here. So, I think Evan Neal is a great pick for the Giants at five. Now let me see here. Go find the Jets' next pick at ten. Okay, oh, I see man. a smile. Stand back. At ten, the Jets would take Charles Cross. Oh, come on! Tackle from Mississippi State. I uh, think you would just fall off the chair. I would. Point. Those two draft I, picks are abysmal. Oh my god. Abysmal. That's the this. worst mock draft. That's the, the worst Jet- freaking mock draft. The Jets could go wide receiver here, but it's but it's a deep class, deep enough where there's no need to force the issue. Tackle, on the other hand, is not very deep at the top. So if a prospect like Charles Cross is still on the board, the Jets shouldn't hesitate to snap him up. He'll likely have to transition to right tackle while Mikai Becton and George Fan battle at left tackle. But Cross has the athleticism, length, and recovery capacity to be a high-level starter. First off, I don't like the fact of Mackay and George Fan battling. I mean, no. it, it, this guy was a freaking top first-round pick. I mean, yeah, you've no. got to be kidding me. you got to play him. you got to just play him. Um, Charles Cross. I mean, ugh. Just go wide receiver here. If you're really considering drafting that guy at 10, just trade the damn pick. Yeah. Because, I, I, I mean, okay, you're, you're, you're not going to force the issue. Then trade the pick for DK freaking Metcalf. Yeah. And whatever picks you've got left that you didn't unload, like try to find other pieces to fill up. You got to get talent. You have Tell to get him, Tony. Tell and him. now we're talking about sliding Charles Cross from, from the left side to, or to the right side. Oh, that can be so risky. That could blow up so bad. So if you, we all agree, and I agree with you on this, trade the 10th pick overall for Debo Samuel. If you don't trade that pick, who do we draft at that position? Who is your pick? You're in the GMC. We already know you like Kayvon. You love Kayvon. That's your guy. Who is the guy for you at 10? Who do you draft? You draft I'd a receiver? Go, I'd say draft receiver. Either draft receiver or draft corner. Because you need defense in the worst way. But, I mean, a, a, another another receiving prospect. It just... Oh, my God. Just go and, just go and, make, just go and make a big trade for, for Metcalf. Like, Come on. Come the frig on, man. And this is all Douglas. Would you agree? This is him. He's what is he waiting for? I don't know. And your team is not going to get much better. No. You could talk about keeping the process moving, but if we're going to be sitting here two years from now when Zach Wilson is going to have to get paid. <laughs> and we're going to be, and nothing would have changed. No. <laughs> I hope we're wrong. I, I hope that Zach Wilson can maybe win like in nine or 10 games this year, possibly make the playoffs. But if we look, we looked at the opponents. Who are they beating? No one. Yeah. 
And they had the Giants trading down with um, New Orleans at seven. Um, and the Saints would take the offensive tackle, um, Ekwanu, yeah. from NC State. So the Giants would go all the way down to um, 16. Let me see. Sixteen and nineteen. So it would be two. It would be the. Um, it would be two first rounders, I guess. Wow. <clears throat> so at sixteen, the Giants would take Derek Stingley, the junior, the cornerback from LSU. Perfect. And at nineteen, they would take Chris Olave, the wide receiver for Ohio State. Yep. Hmm. Wow. So I think we could look at one more mock draft. One more. The one we just did for the Jets was just the worst one of all time. That's that's like record history bad. <laughs> Trying to find another one here. This is the Sporting News. So sportingnews.com. Vinny, Vinny, um, uh, Vinny, uh, Vinny Iyer is the one who wrote the article or come up with, came up with the mock draft. Number four, very easy. Kayvon Thibodeau for the your, Jets. Your favorite. The Jets should be thrilled if, if Thibodeau slips here to become the explosive cornerstone pass rusher for Coach Robert Sala, which will remind him of having Nick Bosa powering his defense in San Francisco. You get that, dude? Capon's going to be the next Nick, Nick Bosa. <laughs> Give me a break. I'll believe it when I see it. This makes great sense as the follow-up high, the follow-up high first rounder to quarterback Zach Wilson. Okay. They have the Giants taking um, Icky Iguanu. Iguanu, NC State at five. Okay. Wow, this one does have the Giants trading back. <clears throat> The Giants would take Derek Stingley Jr., cornerback at seven from LSU. And then number 10. Oh, you'll love this. Sauce Gardner, cornerback from Cincinnati. I'll take it. Bala, should Thibodeau land in New York to be his next Bosa, can also get his version of Richard Sherman on the field. God. In this nasty, fearless, and now extremely speedy cover man to, compl- to complement free agent edition DJ Reed. Okay, first off, I'm not giving uh, DJ Reed. Let's calm down a sec for that. <laughs> He's not Revis. He's not Revis, and He's not even Cromartie. No. So, how do you like those 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 three drafts? The, the first three one mock was, drafts. First one was okay. That was Second CBS one was, was atrocious. That was that was pro that that was pro football network. Yeah, and the third one uh, it was decent. But at the that end of the day, the sporting news. At the end of the day, you got to trade for one of these receivers, and that should be like now, right? Freaking now, because what are we waiting for? I don't know what we're waiting for. I, I really have no freaking clue. I'm sick of going on Twitter and seeing the Jets trending and it's over a wide receiver that they should trade for. Let's go. Douglas says, oh, if the right right opportunity presents itself, we're going to be aggressive. Do it. 
I'm freaking do it. You know what I mean? It's like, what are you waiting for? Yeah. Why? And you talk about matching the talent within your division. We don't have any anyone on this team that matches any talent in our division. No, nah, not at all. And if you hear rumors about um, <clears throat> what's his name, uh, Debo, who's to say Belichick that doesn't make a big trade for for Debo? Ugh. If if that happens, I think that that's I think that that's game over. Yeah. For for the Jets this year, I really just. They already let Tyreek Hill go to the Dolphins, so it wouldn't surprise me. But how do you get better? How do you start building? Because we're in a rebuilding process still. We're still building through the draft and free agency every year. How do you get better by letting these players go into your division to other teams? Mm -hmm. How do you get better? I don't know how. You can't. You really can't. And the process really needs to start moving forward quickly, like – it said time and time again, Josh Allen was not able to take that that next step without Stephon Diggs. When Stephon Diggs came to the fold, that's when the Bills became Super Bowl contenders. Yeah. They haven't made they they haven't made the jump yet, but they're pretty much on the cusp. Same with Kyler Murray when getting DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins from the Texans. You need that wide receiver. You Mm -hmm. need it bad. Exactly. But let's um, cap off this show here. Um, So let's do our socials. Um, So my Instagram is at T-A-N-O-O-C-H-9-6. Once again, at T-A-N-O-O-C-H-9-6. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at the real max T H E R E E L M A X again, T H E R E E L M A X. Check out all of our previous episodes of the Tony and Mad Max show on this YouTube channel right here. Sports and hip hop with DJ Mad Max. Make sure you subscribe. We're live every weekend, either Saturday or Sunday in the morning slash early afternoon. You could check us out on all podcasting platforms, iHeartRadio, Apple music, Spotify, Stitcher, any podcasting platforms out there that you follow. We are on it. And yeah, we'll be back next week covering the draft. We'll either be praising or killing the New York Jets franchise for their draft picks next week. And then we'll be going through the Giants picks as well. I think the Giants are going to do probably just more of the safe picks, but the Jets are always going to be the the risky ones. So we'll have to see what happens. And, you know, let's see if the Nets can come back from a 3-0 deficit and just keep this Mets thing going here. I know they lost last night to the Diamondbacks, but you know, keep racking up wins and then just playing the best baseball that you can. And let's hope that Jacob DeGrom gets back soon and the Yankees keep racking up the wins against the Guardians in their upcoming series. And yeah, man, the, and the final let's words keep here. Rolling. Yep, let's do this. So thank you guys for tuning in. Be safe. Um, go outside. The beautiful out spring is here in full swing. Um, uh, wear a mask if, if you can. If it makes you comfortable, get vaccinated, please. And um, enjoy the rest of your weekend, guys. So long. So long.